0: The well, here we go. They're seven seconds. Berkovici. He's just going to air it out deep downfield, and uh, no white shirts around. Child Touchdown! It doesn't get any better than. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. This is our eighth and final division for our NFL previews. We did the AFC North, the AFC East, the AFC South. The AFC West, then we did the NFC North, the NFC East, the NFC South, and now we're here at the NFC West. Uh, when I say we, of course, I mean myself and my esteemed guest Jackson Powers. Jackson, you ready for this?
1: I was born ready. This is uh, as a, a Seahawks fan. It's it's about time that we uh, we talk about my team. I've I've waited long enough. I've waited through seven divisional podcasts, and I'm and I'm ready. I'm ready to get into some NFC West ball. Yeah, really
0: look, great discipline from you being able to wait for this. All right, let's get right <laughs> into it then. Who do you have at the bottom?
1: Uh, at the bottom of the NFC West with a record of 2-15, and 15, I have got the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they are coming off of a really, really pitiful season last year. Um, obviously, they had some injuries, but their roster also looked very, very depleted. Uh, and I think that that is not going to change this year. Obviously, they'll have Stafford coming back from the injury. Um, but he did look pretty bad when he was healthy. Um, and obviously, the concussions are a big issue for him right now. I would not be surprised if, A, he misses a solid amount of time, or B, if he comes back and just doesn't look too solid. Um, they Behind him, they've got Stetson Bennett, the Georgia rookie, and former Boise State Legendary quarterback, Brett Rippon. Um, so it's not incredible options behind him if he does go down. Um, But I'm really not betting on him being a major, major star uh, this season by any means. Uh, looking at the running back room, Cam Akers uh, came off a semi-disappointing season last year. I think a lot of that is just related to I don't think he's a very great running back. I think a lot of, you know, fantasy people are placing a lot of faith in Akers to do really well. I honestly just don't think Akers is that good of a player, and I don't think he's gonna produce a ton this year. Uh, behind him, they've got Kyron Williams, Sony Michelle. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do a lot of committee backfield work, but yeah, I'm I'm really not projecting a lot out of this running game. Um and at the receiver position, obviously Cooper Cup is is headlining this group by a very, very wide margin. Um, I love cup. I think he's probably the most intelligent wide receiver in the league. And he managed to produce between bad quarterback play out of Stafford. And when it was other guys coming in like Baker and Wofford and so on Um, cup is so intelligent. He's able to break down a defense pre-snap. And it's one of the best zone wide receivers I've ever seen. Um, He should be in for another major, major season. He's going to be incredibly productive again. Um, And I really like, what he's offering to this receiving core. I really don't like anything else about it though. Van Jefferson is your wide receiver too. Ben Skoranek is getting legitimate time. Um, Demarcus Robinson out of Baltimore. I actually really liked. He's really old at this point, spent most of his years with the ch- Chiefs. um, And I do think that he is a pretty nuanced guy. He's not super explosive, but he offers a lot in the zone scheme that I think Cup does as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some production in that area. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, 2-2 two, two out. Well, this is a really, really rough group outside of Cup. If he goes down again this year, this offense is going to be really, really horrible. And then the offensive line should not be good at all by any means. Obviously, Rob Havenstein is fine. Um, but after that, Ryan Allen, Logan Bruss, Joe Noteboom. Uh, the rookie, Steve Avila, who I liked, we'll see how he does in his rookie season. But I, I this offense is going to be pitiful. Um, but I, I think that this defense is going to be the worst in the league by a pretty solid margin. Uh, you've still got Aaron Donald, but, you know, he's certainly aging at this point. He took a significant step back last year, and I would go so far to say he is no longer the best defensive tackle in the league. I would give that nod to Chris Jones, given how good of a season he had last year. Um, But, man, you look at the rest of his pass rush. you got the rookie, Byron Young. um, Michael, I, I'm not totally sure how to say that. Hecht, I want to say. Uh, Ernest Brown, Jonah Williams, Marquise Copeland, Bobby Brown the third, really, really rough group. And then on the interior, you've got uh, Ernest Jones and Christian Roseboom. This is this has got to be one of the most pathetic front sevens put together. And if you see Donald go down, or if he sits out, or gets traded, or whatever, there, there won't be anything up there. Pressure stopping the run, they're going to have struggles in every single facet. Um, Akella Witherspoon at the cornerback spot. You've got Kobe Durant starting in the nickel. Darion Kendrick um, with some depth. They've got Tredavious Hodges, Tomlinson. I, I really can't stress enough how horrible, horrible this team is going to be this year. And there's certainly some stars that you are hoping you can squeeze some production out of. Higby, Stafford, Cup, Donald. But I am not a fan of the stars and scrubs roster building philosophy, especially when there's this few stars and this many scrubs. This is, I think, I think this season is going to be a product of the Super Bowl hangover that they're still facing. I think they, it's about time that they completely blow it all up, in my opinion, because man, this roster looks just disgusting.
0: All right. So we are not going to have the same rankings for this one. That's fun. Last place, I have the Arizona Cardinals at a record of four and 13. Cardinals coming off of a tough year and Kyler Murray working his way back from injury it seems like there's kind of not really a set timetable on that so we're going to see Colt McCoy week 1 starter and possibly a little more into the year uh it seems seems quite possible there's also the draft of Clayton Tune out of Houston not really sure if he how that factors into the equation and that you know with Kyler Murray you feel a lot better with Colt McCoy or anyone else it, it there's not nearly as much to like especially when you look at their uh receiving options. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown is a is a good player, but he doesn't fit as your best receiver. He is much better as a complimentary guy, being able to kind of just, you know what you're getting with him. He's a speed, speed demon, can make plays deep downfield, but he's not a consistent every single game kind of guy. Rondo Moore, Greg George, that is a very small, small wide receiver room. And I I like all of those guys. They're I but I think altogether that's not a it's not a great trio, exactly what you're looking for, especially considering you're either getting a quarterback off of the ACL tear or backup level player. Running back, it really doesn't do much better. James Conner, Corey Clement, uh, Keontae Ingram, they drafted Amari Di Mercado. or I think he was an undrafted free agent from TCU. None of those guys really do anything at all to me. Doesn't you know the tight ends? Trey McBride was their second round pick last year. That that could be a bright side opportunity, maybe Zach Ertz. But I believe he's currently injured. It's just the the offense. There's there's really not a lot going a lot going on there. Then the offensive line, not a not a ton there either. The guy who watches Paris Johnson. They traded traded back to select him in this draft. He's very important, I think. Wouldn't surprise me if he struggles a little bit to start, but he, you know, the goal there is for him to anchor to be their franchise tackle moving forward. So that's really the guy I'm looking at. Other than that, there's nothing really that notable that I have to say about the line. And the defense, uh, I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff. It really none of it moves me. The front seven, uh, really, I like. Like I don't, I don't even feel the need to like dive into some of these guys i just don't even have that much to say bj ojelari was someone that i liked but he is currently uh rehabbing he's on the pup list other than that like there there's really no one i like in that front and then even like, like looking at the more traditional linebackers zayvon collins just hasn't hasn't really been that guy um they drafted Owen Papal out of auburn fifth round could be good value but i don't necessarily have high hopes for him Kaiser White, I don't know that that front seven really doesn't do anything for me. DBs, I don't, I don't love much more. They, uh, they drafted Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, but he, I, he is, or he was last year. Garrett Williams was last year, I believe.
1: Was he? I, I think he, I think he was drafted this year.
0: Was he? I know, I know he's injured. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know he, yeah that's right. So, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he's a rookie right now.
0: Okay. Either way, he's injured, so that won't factor into the equation. And then the the corners, I just I really don't like Marco Wilson. I'm not I'm not in on. Uh, it looks like R- Rashad Fenton, Antonio Hamilton. These are just it. These are just kind of filler guys. Isaiah Simmons has really been a huge disappointment. He was this athletic freak coming out of Clemson. Felt like he could be a hybrid star. He just hasn't been that. Uh, the big bright spot is. Buda Baker who was able to get a pay raise earlier today it will be in their best interest to keep him around in my opinion he's a a very underrated player and again we can talk about the value of safeties but that the defense outside of him there's really not much to even talk about so I think I think this is a group that's going to struggle I think the draft capital they have is huge moving forward because there is a very feasible chance that they have two top five picks and that I mean that's a fantastic way to have your franchise going in the right direction, but there's I, – I really don't like the Cardinals this year.
1: Well, Jeremy, before I talk about the Cardinals, we have a little bit of news out of training camp. Joe Burrow was just parted off of the field um, with what looks to be a pretty bad injury. He didn't put any weight on – it looked like the right leg. They haven't actually specified – where the injury is but man if he's out for the year that would be just awful for the Bengals
0: yeah that's uh, goes without saying but that is a NFL changing move if if he truly is significantly injured
1: yeah that's horrible i'm as a both an NFL enjoyer and someone who likes to root for the man, just absolutely hope and pray that he's okay um because You know, you really can't afford if you're a Bengals fan, you really cannot afford to see that team play without him next season. Um, But uh, that's that's all I had to add there. I will move back into some Cardinals talk because I do have them finishing third in the NFC West with a record of four and 13. Tyler obviously is going to be out to start the season and it'll be Colt McCoy, I believe, at the quarterback position. While Colt McCoy is in, I think that this is pretty clearly the worst team in the league. I don't know that they'll win a game with him in at the quarterback spot. Uh, But when Kyler's back, I'm sort of betting on him a little bit. I think I have him winning four of the – I wanted to say I had him playing 10 games or something like that. Um, But I I, I do like Kyler Murray. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the league right now. Um, He has really sweet arm talent, really great creator, throws really well with anticipation. Um, I certainly do think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and when he's healthy, he should be able to string some games out. James Conner seems to be the lead back in, in this group. And while I don't think he's going to be super explosive, I, I think that he's going to take on a lot of workload for you fantasy nerds out there who really want a guy to monitor. I think James Conner's a solid value guy because he'll be taking a ton of carries. Behind him is Keontae Ingram, Corey Clement, and Tyson Williams. Not great options. He should be a true three-down running back in that system. Uh, moving on to the wide receiver core, obviously they did cut DeAndre Hopkins at the beginning of the off this year. Right now, this group is headlined by Hollywood Brown. Um, I I like Hollywood as a deep threat, a speedster. I don't like him much more than that, and I really don't like that the the trade that they made for him, sending a first rounder to the Ravens. He. Has really, really bad hands. Not a great route runner over the middle of the field. And honestly, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me given that the Ravens spent a first rounder on him and he didn't show much to really warrant the same return for that. So in his, I want to say, three-year tenure with the Ravens, he th- there was nothing to me that said he, he's he's still worth the first rounder. He, he got some serious bust talk. Um, and I don't think that's really any different in this Cardinals room right now. Um, Behind him is Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is a great player with the ball in his hands. Creates yardage after the catch at a super high level, better than probably anyone in the league right now. Uh, but after at, once you get past that, there's not really much to his game. He's not a very dynamic threat. There's not much versatility in his bag. I, I don't really love Moore as a true wide receiver, too. I would love it if he was more of a gadget guy that you have – in the depths, Um, but having this significant of a role on this team, I'm not a fan of. Um, And then after that, you've got Zach Pascal, Greg Dorch. This is not a great wide receiving room. I do like the tight ends that they have. Zach Ertz, Trey McBride coming into his second season. Um, I I think that this is going to be a solid group when Zach Ertz does return from that ACL injury. Um, But, you know, I'm really not a fan of this offense. The offensive line, I think will be all right. Paris Johnson Jr. right now is slated at the guard spot, and that was a fit that I thought could be potentially better for him, especially early on. Um, He does not have great play strength, so we'll see if he's able to develop that a little bit uh, before the rookie season starts because he could very seriously get mauled around on the inside if not, but he's very quick, um, shoots his hands out pretty fast. Uh, yeah, Paris Johnson, I think, was a solid athletic project, but I don't think he's going to be someone that contributes year one, whether he's at the tackle or the guard spot. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I liked the pick that they made on him. I think he's a solid investment. After that, Will Hernandez, Calvin Beach, DJ Humphreys, not really a lot to root for with the group. Um, on to the defense, I think that their main issue is going to be create pressure. Right now, their main pass rushers are B.J. Ojulari, who I really liked out of LSU, actually. I think he's a really solid pass rusher. Um, but you're kind of projecting a lot if your second rounder is going to be your leader in pressures and pass rush. Because after that, Zavin Collins, Jonathan Ledbetter, L.J. Collier, Myjai Sanders. Um, this group is really, really rough, and I think they're going to have a hard time getting to the quarterback. On the inside, you've got Richard Lawrence and Leckie Le- 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 Fotu. I think they'll be fine against the run. Um, I don't think there'll be anything special, especially in that interior side, the a and B gaps. I think they'll do all I think they'll do all right. It's certainly not one of the weaknesses of this defense, but you could certainly it, it stands to improve. um interior wise, you've got Kaiser White, Dennis Gardek, um Chris Barnes on the bench, Papo, Papoe, I think is how you say it. um, not a super solid group. I don't think they're really anything special out there. I kind of like Kaiser White, um but after that, I'm really not moved by this group. And then the secondary is obviously headlined by Buda Baker, who just got a raise to stay with this team. um, Because after that, it's really, really rough. Rashad Fenton, Marco Wilson, Isaiah Simmons, um, Jalen Thompson. I I really don't like what this team has to offer. Um, The Cardinals were a bottom feeder last year. I think that that's going to be the same this year, especially when Kyler Murray's out. Uh, But I do trust their schedule. And I, I believe in Kyler a little bit to edge them just above the Rams. but. They should be picking pretty close to where they were last season in this upcoming draft.
0: Interesting. I'm trying to I'm looking into this. I don't know if there's been any official report from reporters, but I'm I'm hearing rumors that it was a non-contact injury for Burrow, which Oh man. Would would not be That's that's
1: hor that's a horrible, horrible sign. Because like, um, did you see the video? Adam Schefter just retweeted the video. Yeah, so he's like He's really not. I. I. I it's kind of hard to tell, but it Let's looks see. like he's putting pretty, pretty putting pretty much no weight on his right leg.
0: Let's see. I'm. I'm watching this whole clip right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Non contact. That's
1: bad. Not good. Ooh, but the interesting because, oh, you know what? I bet it is. I wouldn't be surprised if this is an Achilles injury. Because I think that.
0: I think. I think he tore his Achilles.
1: Because because the report before said he's being looked at the medical staff after gra- going down and grabbing his calf. Which means it's not in his knee unless it's in, like, the – because sometimes when you hurt your knee, you can grab, like, the back, like your knee pit almost. But if it's in his lower calf, I would not be surprised if that's an Achilles injury, which would obviously – more likely than not end this season, we've seen some guys – uh come back from Achilles injuries later in the season. Cam Akers was one of the guys to do that. But man, that would that would just sort of shoot the Bengals season down the drain. I'd I'd have to remake my schedule predictions. You absolutely hate to see that for for a guy like Burrow. Such a such a stud in the locker room. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. This would be legitimately league altering if that is season ending for him.
0: Absolutely. Back to the to the point of this episode third place i have the los angeles rams at a record of eight and nine and i i don't really know some of this is probably unwarranted but i like a little bit of a rams bounce back and that's fair to question it considering that's me putting some faith in matthew stafford who has struggled with injuries uh hasn't been super efficient in terms of struggling to turn the ball over but i think in Matthew Stafford in a weak NFC. I think he's going to have a little bit of a bounce back. I think he can be a competent to slightly above average quarterback. The running backs, obviously, I, I'm not a huge Cam Akers guy, but I think the guys around him are very usable. Tyron Williams was someone I liked out of college. Zach Evans has all the talent in the world. I believe he was taken in the sixth round. He just, there, there's a lot going on with him, but if you can unlock him, get him on the right track he he has the talent he has the ability to be a fantastic running back the receivers you start with cooper cup and cooper cup is fantastic and in most cases you could end with cooper cup as he's you know one of the best receivers in the league dealt with some injuries but that that shouldn't stop him i see no reason why he won't continue to produce and produce and produce van jefferson is a guy that everyone's been like every year they're like he's going to break out he's going to break out he's going to break out and it just it just really hasn't happened and i'm I am doubtful that a legitimate breakout is on the way. Ben Skoranek, is—it's kind of funny his existence, just as like a Cooper Cup clone, but like not actually like able to do Cooper Cup things. But someone I really like—I like a like, uh, Puka Nakua, their fifth-round pick out of BYU. He's uh kind of an under-the-radar player, and it's, he's a lot different than like when you look at two a guy like Tutu Atwell, a more undersized, speed-based guy. Puka Nakua, bigger body at 6'2", but he runs pretty well. He had a nice career there, and I think when you're in a place like this where Ben Skronik is your wide receiver three, I I think Nakua can definitely climb the depth chart early in the year and be able to establish himself on the fringe of starting. Tight ends. I, I like Tyler Higbee. I think, you know, obviously he needs to stay healthy. That's an important thing, but I, I am a Tyler Higbee fan. Lines, lines tough. Uh, Rob Havenstein, Havenstein, Stein, Steenstein.
1: believe it's Stein, but I, I have heard
0: both. Uh, he, you know, no need to be said about him. But then after that, it's a lot of, a lot of yikes. The, this line has really gone downhill. No Boom, I think, will play the other side. They drafted Steve Avila to play guard. So that's definitely something big to look at, but I wouldn't expect this to be a fantastic unit, which definitely could factor into how Matthew Stafford plays. You got to keep him upright, keep him healthy. And then the defense, the defense, a lot of this, I mean, I have them at eight and nine and a lot of this is kind of some blind hope and, and really projecting some guys taking some step forwards, some steps forward that might not be feasible. Aaron Donald, he might not be the best defensive tackle still in the league. He might not be the best defender like he was, has been the last couple years, but I think that more so speaks to guys like Chris Jones really improving than Aaron Donald being like hitting regression to a massive amount. He's still a fantastic player. No doubt he'll make that impact. I really like Byron Young. Just in general, I like how the the draft went for. Uh, for the Rams obviously they never have high picks but I like what they kind of did in the middle rounds with Byron Young with Kobe Turner I think they'll be able to get some playing time pretty early the linebackers I mean the linebackers are are very very bad you look uh, Ernest Jones Christian Rosenboom it's 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 really really hard to look at I don't know uh, off the top of my head I don't know but this might be like the worst single unit in the sport. It is it is really bad. And I uh I brushed over uh O'Shawn, O'Shane Mathis, um another uh pass rusher out of TCU who the, I believe they took in the 6th round. I I like those young upside guys as well as they drafted uh or rather they signed Jaden Lars Woodby. As an undrafted free agent, but that's someone who I think is like fringe rostered, not what you're looking for to fill that starting linebacker role. So the the line I can I can get down with a little bit, but the linebackers are it it's guts and then the DBs it's not particularly pretty either. Uh, it looks like uh, Akella Weatherspoon is going to be their cornerback one, which is you know dicey. The safeties. Jordan Fuller and Russ Yeast, as well as they have Quentin Lake. They drafted Jason Taylor. There's just not, like, they're, they're, those safeties really don't inspire much, and they let Taylor Rapp go, which was good, because I've I've never been a Taylor Rapp guy, but that doesn't mean I think this safety group will be particularly good. They, I mean, you look at this, they have a lot of undrafted free agents that I like that I think can play, like Rashad Torrance, someone that can play. And then on the opposite side of uh, Witherspoon is Darion Kendrick, who is a player that I I like. He's a very boomer bust kind of guy. That's how he's always been through his college career and into the NFL. But I believe he can make plays. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be one of the best there is. But he's someone that I feel can have several turnovers. Uh, definitely take advantage of of poor throws, be able to to make plays. That doesn't mean he'll be immune to to not giving up big plays. But I think he he can he can make an impact a little more than people might talk about. Uh then you got Durant who is someone, both him and Kendrick are second-year players. He's someone that we could see take a step up. They drafted Travius Hodges-Tomlinson in the sixth round, uh, cornerback out of TCU. I understand some of the knocks on him, but he was pretty pretty productive there. And I think really at just about any position on this team, there are very few spots that are solidified. And I think these young guys will be able to emerge and and kind of get some playing time, find their role early on. So 8-9 and nine feels a little bit generous, and I feel like if I were to revise it, I'd probably take off a win or two. But I think the offense is going to get on track, and I, I like what they're doing with the young guys that they drafted. So this is kind of projecting some, some surprise starts from them.
1: All right. Um, I, I hate to make this a reoccurring topic, but I, I think that there is a little bit of good news on the Burrow injury. So they just they just found the video of it happening. He's like, in the i i can send it to you on Twitter if you want. But he he's like in the pocket.
0: Yeah, I, um, I saw it.
1: Oh, did you? He like rolls out to the right. Um, so Zach Taylor is tweeting now that they're calling it a calf strain, which would certainly be better than an Achilles tear. Um, but you know, if it's depending on the grade, he could still potentially not be back by week one.
0: So yeah, I mean it. It looked bad to me. I don't.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. So so hoping for the best with Burrow. But um getting back to some NFC West talk, coming in third place, I have gotten my Seattle Seahawks with a record of eleven and six. Uh, I think that this team is going to be really solid, actually. Um, containing my bias as best as I can. Geno Smith will be under center once again for the Seahawks. There's a lot of people who are kind of reserving their doubts on him, saying he might be just a one-year wonder. I don't believe that because a lot of what he was doing was at a very high difficulty. He was playing at a lot of very empty formations. He was the most accurate deep ball thrower of anyone in the league last year. Um, there was so much about Geno Smith that he was doing at a legitimately high level that had really nothing to do with any kind of gimmicky offense or anything like that. That makes me feel pretty confident that Geno could replicate what he's doing again this year. Um, and if he's as good again this year as he was last year, like if zero strides are taken, with how much the offense added, there's certainly some room for progression here. I, I really think that this offense is gonna take a step up. Um behind him, if he goes down for some reason, it would be Drew Locke, the former Bronco who came over in the Russell Wilson trade. Um, I'm a big fan of Drew Locke. I really like him and I'm excited to see how he looks during this preseason. Uh if you if you remember any redshirt lore last year, I was a big fan of Locke starting over Geno Smith because I thought he was going to be a lot more explosive. Obviously, I'm willing to admit now that I made the wrong call on on that brigade. But, you know, I, I still do reserve a little bit of my love for Drew Locke. Uh, onto the running back room. Kenneth Walker last year was a he was the number two candidate for offensive rookie of the year behind Jeremy's favorite wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Um, Kenneth Walker actually received more first place votes. The only difference was Garrett Wilson received a plethora of second place votes and received a ton more than Kenneth Walker. Um, And so based on the point system that the NFL offers, it ended up being Wilson as the offensive rookie of the year. Um, Kenneth Walker, eclipsed a 1,000 yards in his rookie season last year. He was super explosive, was great when he was able to turn a run to the outside, but he really was pretty bad between the tackles, would dance a lot behind the line of scrimmage, didn't have the greatest vision. That's a big reason why Seattle went out and grabbed Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Um, Charbonnet is a true bell cow back. You're going to want to send him through the A and B gaps, and I think that's really going to diversify the portfolio of this running game. Kenneth Walker is going to be a lot more explosive. They're going to want to get him to the outside more, let him make some plays. And then Charbonnet will probably stand to be the goal line back, um, as well as the guy that you want taking it between the punches. Um, on to the receiver group. This is one of the best in the league. DK Metcalf, obviously, Greek athlete, super explosive. Tyler Lockett is a super reliable deep threat, great on the outside of the sticks. And then rookie first-round wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. One of my favorite players of the entire class, even before Seattle was able to nab him. He's going to add an element of that sort of safety blanket on the first level of the field. Super nuanced. There's a lot of Cooper Cup-ish to his game that he's going to be able to add. Um, I think that he is going to come out immediately and have a ton of production. I would not be surprised if he's eclipsing 850 to 900 yards in year one. Um, which as a wide receiver three is really, really impressive. But once you get behind those three guys, it's really rough. D. Eskridge, the second round bust. Excuse me. After that, it's Derek Young, Cody Thompson, Kade Johnson. This is a really, really rough group behind those first three. So you really have to pray that none of those three get injured. Um, But if Metcalf, Lockett, and JSN can all stay on the field, then this group is going to be really, really dangerous. Uh, At the tight end spot, Noah Fant, he also came over in the Russell Wilson trade, will likely headline that group. Um, He started to see a little bit of production last season at the early end of the year, um, and then that sort of tailed off when Seattle used their tight ends a little bit less. Uh, But behind him is Will Disley and Colby Parkinson. I imagine that those will be the only three tight ends that Seattle takes this year. It'll be really interesting to see how much production they're getting through the air attack. Uh, Fant doesn't offer a ton as a blocker, but he's someone who is really smooth after the catch and someone that I think could be used a little bit more in this passing game, given that Seattle was near dead last in terms of yards after catch last season. I think that they would really like to get Fant a little bit more involved. On the ends of line. Um, you've got two second-year starters in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Those two looked... I would say right around league average last year, Lucas certainly looked a step ahead of cross, but coming into year two, if you can take jumps out of them, this offensive line could be really, really sweet. And on the interior, really the only guaranteed spot right now is Damian Lewis. After that, you've got some competition between Anthony Bradford, Phil Haynes, Ivan Brown and Olu Olu for those two other spots. Um, My projection would be that the starters are Phil Haynes and Olu Olu at the right guard and center, respectively. Um, But we'll have to get into preseason and kind of continue with those battles. I think that this offense is going to be one of the best in the league. They were, I want to say, sixth in EPA per play last year. Um, And now they're adding two elements to this offense that they really did not have last year. A really smooth running back between the tackles and Zach Charbonnet and a great receiving option over the middle and that short area of the field in Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I think that this offense is going to explode this year. On to the defense. My biggest concern with them right now is the interior defensive line. They obviously won out um, and made one of the biggest free agent signings in the Pete Carroll era in Draymond Jones from the Broncos. I like Draymond Jones as like a five technique or a four-eye. Um, He's a really smooth pass rusher, and he didn't get a ton of run defense reps over there in Denver, but that was a really deep defensive line, and what he showed on tape, he was due for a little bit of an expansion in his role, and he's obviously going to get that in Seattle with the lack of depth that they have right now in that group. Brian Monet is out with, and I can't remember if it's an ACL or an Achilles tear, um, but he's going to miss at least the first few games of the season, and until he's back, It looks like at a training camp that Jaron Reed will be taking some nose tackle reps, um, which I really don't like, given he's like 310 pounds. I don't think he's big enough to kind of two gap anyone. Um, I I do think that there is another addition in the cards for Seattle, maybe bringing back Shelby Harris. Um, But right now this group looks really rough. Mike Morris and Cameron Young are both rookies that you don't really want them to be seeing significant snaps right away. I think Mario Edwards Jr. should be seeing some snaps. Seattle signed him out of Buffalo. Um, yeah, I, I really don't love the state of this interior defensive line right now, but I do really like where the edge rushers are at. Uchenna Nwosu just landed him a three-year, $59 million extension. He was really productive with Seattle last season. Um, and then on the other side, it'll be a combination of Daryl Taylor coming in on passing downs, on dime packages, any clear pass situation, Daryl Taylor come in will come in and rush the edge. Um, and then on... More running downs, it'll be Derek Hall, the rookie second rounder out of Auburn, uh, who I really like. I think he has really strong potential to set the edge really well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you can develop him a little bit more as a pass rusher. He should see a, a pretty expanded role in the future. I really like where the edge group is at. Inside linebacker, uh, I'm a lot more concerned. Jordan Brooks is out right now with an ACL tear. He should miss a good chunk of the season. Behind him, it's going to be the combo of Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush Wagner obviously was an all pro last year, but I do think that that is, I think he's really overrated. I'm willing to pump the brakes on Brad Wagner. His role over in Los Angeles was really, really easy. All he really did was come downhill. blitz the quarterback. Um, he was a solid tackler in the run. He's always been really sound at that. And then he didn't have any kind of difficult coverage assignments, Wagner, sure, like he can perform in that role. But if he's your number one guy, it's going to be a pretty rough group because the assignments he's taking on are really not going to be difficult. And if you're leaning on Devin Bush to hang in coverage, to carry a tight end up a seam, things are not going to go well for you. The the, the injuries on this defense really scare me for the beginning of the season. But once we get our reinforcements back, I think Seattle could have a pretty solid group. Right now, this linebacker spot looks really, really bleak. On to the secondary. Devin Witherspoon was the fifth overall pick. I was probably one of the lowest people you're going to find on Witherspoon before he was selected. I do think he will come in and play at a high caliber just because Pete Carroll is so well-renowned with the cornerback position. But I do think he is going to give up a lot of big plays on his side. He's really, really aggressive, big hitter in the running game, and the fit for drafting him makes a lot of sense to me. But I was someone that would have rather seen Christian Gonzalez get picked if we wanted an outside cornerback. Um, I, I, I've I come around to Witherspoon a little bit, but I still have my share of concerns with him. Tariq Woolen is someone that I think will take the jump to be one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best in the league last season. He was incredibly ahead of schedule as a fifth rounder out of UTSA last year. His tape looked horrible as a receiver transfer, um, but Pete Carroll was able to coach him up really quickly and his physical profile is... Probably the best in the league, the cornerback position. 4'2", 40, 6'4", incredibly long arms, really nice frame. Um, I, I love Drew Willen. I think another year of kind of getting his technique and his zone work down under his belt, he should be really, really solid. At the safety spot, Quandre Diggs uh, is someone that a lot of Seahawks fans love. I actually have my fair share of issues with Diggs. I think that there's a lot of times where... He's sort of ball chasing, wants to make an interception. He's he's very well-renowned as a ball hawk, but it certainly costs him sometimes. There were a lot of times last year where he would cry to get a pick, he'd leave his zone, um, and it would create big plays down the field. Hopefully, you're, we're seeing a little bit less of that this year, but Quandre is certainly a nice piece. And then at the Strongs, I think my hottest take with this team is that I kind of think Jamal Adams has played his last snaps of football. He is coming off a quadriceps tear, uh, excuse me, quadricep tendon tear, um, which is incredibly hard to come back from. And if he does come back, I think his lateral speed is going to be down the drain. I really do not like where we're projecting Jamal to be at this next season. Uh, but assuming he's not going to be there behind him, it's going to be the sixth round rookie, Jarek Reed as well as former giant Julian Love it's a solid group, but the depth certainly concerns me. Um, I I have a lot more issues with this defense than I do on the offense, but I think the offense is going to be so high powered that Seattle's going to overcome that, go and take the fifth seed in the NFC. Uh, So 11 and six right around there is kind of how I'm feeling with them. There's certainly some margin for error with this group, depending on how well guys are returning back from injury. Uh, But yeah, I, I have big expectations for my Hawks this season.
0: Fair enough. And uh I also have the Seahawks in second. I have them with a record of 10 and seven. I don't need to go into that much detail as Jackson just gave as comprehensive of a team scouting report as you'll get. Starting at the quarterback position, though, Geno Smith, one of the most pleasant surprises of the year last year. Contrary to Jackson's love for Drew Locke, Geno Smith is the one that prevailed, uh, got himself the starting role, and he never, never gave it back. You know, they wrote him off, but he didn't write back. That was one of the coldest quotes I've ever heard you know not regardless. Geno Smith is legitimately a solid quarterback. He is at the point where he it didn't feel like a fluke. You watched him all year. Maybe he's, you know, I wouldn't put him in any sort of elite category per se, but he did the job and more than just do the job. He was fantastic for what was asked of him. You have Kenneth Walker who had a fantastic rookie season. Um, they complimented that drafting Zach Charbonnet in the second round pick. And I understand the rationale. He's more of an inside power runner. I don't think, I don't know if I love the value there, especially considering I like actually the running back that I like more is Kenny McIntosh, who they took in the seventh round. He's one of those guys. And this happens a lot at Georgia where they don't necessarily get a ton of touches because it's Georgia and they have 20 different guys that can play. But he's someone that I think will actually emerge as a pretty solid player, albeit not not like a running back one by any means, but a, a pretty quality backup. I think he'll find his way into a role, whether that's th- this season in Seattle or just at some point down the road. The receivers, this is as good of a receiver trio as you're going to find Uh DK Metcalf just an absolute monster you know we're we're still looking for some more in game consistency but there's no doubt you're talking about Mike Caffey's one of the best in the sports he in the sport not the sports he is just so dominant he i mean he's he's just like the model of this new age nfl and at, like athletes in general he's big he's fast he's terrifying looking for the most part so he does his thing. And then you compliment that Tyler Lockett been one of the most consistent receivers. He's not super talked about. Cause he's not a super flashy guy. You know, you're not going to look for him to to be breaking tackles and so on and so forth after, uh, after the catch, but he manages to get it done. And then, and then the Seahawks get one of the best values in the draft drafting Ohio State wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round that, May have been my favorite pick, at least in the first round. I wanted the, I would have been happy with the Jets taking him over Will McDonald there. I like, he was the guy that I wanted there. Even though the Jets don't, didn't desperately need a receiver, he, I think, is worth, if he, if he played last season, he, you know, he was limited by injuries for the most part. I think he's, he's a guy that could have went top 10. I have little doubt that he is going to make a huge impact. And especially to start off, he's not going to, they're not going to ask him to do a ton. But when you have Metcalf and Lockett, there's going to be attention on them. And that's going to open up some opportunities for Smith and Jigba, especially uh, Geno Smith is more than willing to check it down. He's going to find his open receivers. Jackson Smith and Jigba can do a great job of getting open. Uh, getting some run after catch opportunities. I love him. He's fantastic. That's a fantastic trio tight ends. You know, there, there's not too much. Noah fan obviously injured. Uh, Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, not, not a lot to see there. Like you mentioned, the kind of kind of tight end usage faded out a little bit. And especially with the, the this trio of receivers, I would expect it to be the focus on those guys the line you mentioned Charles Cross the first rounder from last year and then Abe Lucas another both of those guys second year players got to look forward for me like i don't i'm not super well versed on this interior of the offensive line but they drafted with Timmy from Michigan he was the Remington award winner last year i want to say he was two time all american you know fell to the 5th round i think that's fantastic value for a guy regardless of of how, you know, he necessarily matches up in a scouting report in terms of his game transitioning to the NFL. That's a guy who had so much success and for a 5th rounder, I think that's definitely fantastic value worth going after. So overall, I, I like this offense. I think it's very well balanced. They're going to be able to win throwing the ball and running the ball. I I I don't really think there there's a, a note Jesus Christ, I can't talk there's not a noticeable flaw. They have that depth at receiver. They have three guys that I think can really get it done. At running back, I think they have several guys that can get it done. That's awesome. The defense, it's a little more suspect at the front. Draymond Jones, they, uh, Jaron Reed, as well as they, they took, I believe, Cameron Young in the fourth round. So the front of that line doesn't necessarily do a ton for me and then you look at the linebackers Jordan Brooks is working back from injury um what was the extension on uh Nwosu? Nuoso
1: So that was get? 3 it was 3 years 59 million total and it was like 32 guaranteed or something like that
0: Yeah okay I was just wondering He's a nice complimentary piece there he's a nice player uh Bobby Wagner his long awaited return like you were saying I don't think It'd be unfair to expect that vintage Bobby Wagner. I think he's a fine placeholder, but not not someone that's going to significantly change your thoughts on the team. From there, they drafted uh Derek 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 Derek, Derek Hall
1: Hall uh, Derek Hall.
0: Okay, I I didn't know because it's the it's the one R. Um, yeah, uh Derek Hall. So won't surprise me if he's able to force his way into the lineup. Uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler Devin Bush. Who at this point in his career is kind of a, uh, you know, an unknown, but but there are a lot of guys there. It, not necessarily a fantastic group that you're going to be super excited about, but there are definitely a lot of different options there. The DBs, I am with you. I there were several cornerbacks I liked more than Devon Witherspoon, especially where he was taken. But with that being said, I I still think he'll be a solid player, and he'll be opposite Tariq Woolen, who had. A ridiculously impressive rookie year he it's like you have DK Metcalf on the offense big strong fast and then you have Tariq Willen on the defense big strong fast and he's still new to the position he looked you know he looked the part last year but I, I mean there's definitely still more, more room for improvement and I don't see I don't see a reason why he wouldn't continue to make those steps the safety is it's a little more suspect like you mentioned, Jamal Adams has just been absolutely destroyed by injuries. I texted Jackson a couple of days ago because it was the anniversary of the Jamal Adams trade. He was not not pleased with with our text exchange, but no, thank you for Garrett Wilson. Not. Thank you uh, for Garrett Wilson. <laughs> and then Quandre Diggs is, you know, he, fine player. I just think overall, this this the DBs they're not awful, but when you're looking at the safeties and and kind of the depth. They they have Ju- Julian Love as well. There's nothing that really stands out to me. I like the duo of Tariq Woolen because I think he's going to continue to improve. Devon Witherspoon, even if he's not fantastic off the rip, I I see the vision with him. So overall, the defense is 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 fairly suspect, but the offense I think is going to be fantastic. One of the better in the NFC, one of the better in the NFL. So I have them in at ten and seven, uh, good enough for a playoff spot.
1: All right. The first-place finishing team, um, and I think Jeremy and I are in agreement on this, uh, finishing first in the NFC West, I have got the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Right now, they have got the quarterback room of Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance. And it's a little bit foggy as to who's going to be that guy week one. In my opinion, I think if Purdy is fully healthy and good to go, it'll be him. Uh, and if not, it will likely be Darnold over Lance. I do think that Lance is kind of the odd man out here, um, even though I do think he is a better player than either of those two and unlocks a lot more for this offense. The the situation is, Purdy got the job done really well as a starting quarterback, had a near-perfect record, um, took the Niners deep into the playoffs. I, I think it's a lot easier of a choice for the locker room to rally around when you list Purdy as the starting quarterback as opposed to Lance just because Purdy did a much better job under his tenure um but I I do have my fair share of issues with him I think his footwork is pretty bad um he's throwing off a really weird platform all the time and it kind of hurts his accuracy his movement in the pocket is like it's Zach Wilson-esque where he's just like running backwards there's just not a lot of nuances to his game but he can check the boxes, and in a Niners offense like this, I think that's all you really need to do when there's so many mouths to feed. The running back room, obviously, they brought Christian McCaffrey over from Carolina last season. He's in for a monster, monster year. Behind him, they've got Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, and tyrion Davis-Price. All of them have produced at a somewhat level last year. Um, there's going to be – all of those guys will take carries. McCaffrey, obviously, will be the main guy, but you're going to see – all four of these guys get incorporated into the offense in the receiver room. Debo Samuel is the headline here, kind of the wide back type of guy. Um, He is very versatile. One of the best players at creating yardage. Once the ball is in his hands, he doesn't offer a ton as a true wide receiver down the field, but he is a monster at creating yards after catch. And that's why he's so, so useful at this offense. Brandon Ayuk, one of the best route runners in the entire league. Also very great after the catch. I'm in love with Ayuk. I will push his agendas for so long. I think he is just a monster. In my opinion, he is the real wide receiver one of this team, but that's a debate for a different podcast. Behind him, they've got Jawan Jennings, Ray Ring McLeod, Danny Gray, Chris Conley, Willie Sneed. It's not a great group once once you get past Samuel and Ayuk, but those two are so strong and are getting so heavily incorporated into the offense that you're not too worried about it. And then they have one of the best tight ends in the league and George Kittle. And even though he hasn't seen major, major production over the last few years, partially because like I've said before, there's so many guys that you have to get the ball to and Kittle kind of just becomes the odd man out in that regard. He's so smooth after the catch. Once he gets the ball, um, great route runner, great blocker. I I really like Kittle. Um, And then they've got Kyle Hughes check at the fullback position, probably the best pass catching fullback in the league right now. Um, Really smooth blocker when they need it for those wide zone runs to McCaffrey. Uh, And then this offensive line is really interesting. Trent Williams, obviously getting way up there in age, but still very, very productive. Been one of the best tackles in the league for a really long time now. Um, Then at the guard spot, you've got Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Bureford, and Colton McKivitz. It's going to be really interesting to see how these guys perform because a lot of them have not had time. Aaron Banks obviously has been a starter for the Niners before, but Brendel, Bureford, and McKivitz are semi-unfamiliar names. We are going to have to see how they perform. I'm not too familiar with them as pass protectors. Um, But again, I don't think you really, really need it for this offense just because there's so many dynamic weapons in the room that are going to be able to create no matter what. Onto the defense, I think this is one of, if not the best group in the league, looking at this defensive line. Drake Jackson, the second-year player out of USC. Is that where he came from? Yeah, USC. Um, He looked promising last season. I think he could be in for a solid year, too. Javon Hargrave got him from the – the Niners got him from the Eagles. He's an absolute monster. Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa are both – very clear produ- producers and have been with this team for a really, really long time. That front four right there is so, so terrifying. Last season, we saw the Eagles kind of run up on the Niners when they just ran duo with Javon Kinlaw each time, and that Hargrave signing kind of made sure that that could have been any There's no more weak leaks on this defensive line. I think it's as scary as it gets right. We moved to the off-ball linebackers. Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner are, I think, unarguably the best off-ball linebacker duo in the entire league. Fred Warner's impact as a coverage linebacker, I think, still goes under the radar. His ability to kind of cover the middle of the field and a Tampa, too. Incredible, and it takes away so much from opposing quarterbacks. Dre Greenlaw is no scrub either. He plays a little bit further on the outside, uh, but I do think he is going to be a monster. Obviously, this team lost to Zizel Shahir last year. Right now, Oren Burks is listed as... The guy who's gonna slide in, but he, I think, is playing an elite enough company that it shouldn't matter too much um how he looks. This secondary is also really interesting. They let go of Jimmy Ward, meaning Deshaun Gibson is going to be their starting free safety this year. Um they also drafted Jair Brown out of Penn State in the third round. Telano Hufonga was an all-pro player last year. I thought I had some issues with his coverage abilities, but he's a great tackler, really awesome player in the box, and I think another year should do some wonders for what he's able to do as a recognition down recognition guy down the field um at the cornerback spot Charverius Ward one of the most underrated players in the league last season I I really like Ward he was absolutely locked down and a great addition from them out of Kansas City um and then someone I really like I I'm, I'm not totally sure how to pronounce this name but I think it's Diamondore Lenoir I think that's how you say it I might be pronouncing that wrong and if that is the case I apologize um, but he's someone, former fifth rounder. I think he is in for a really, really big year this year. He he looked really solid last year in the Seattle Wild Card game when he was able to pick off Geno a couple of times. I think he is in for a major, major breakout season. Given Travarius Ward is the guy that they're going to kind of want to avoid. I think Lenoir is going to get tested a lot, um, and I think he is going to succeed. I really like year three what it looks like out of him, and and I'm a big fan of this group.
0: Yeah, so for me, surprisingly, I also have San Francisco winning the division. I have them at a record of eleven and six. Again, I, I think when we do these records are not irrelevant, but the the true point of it is, is the ranking. And starting with the offense, the the real question is what is going to happen at quarterback. I tend to agree. If Brock Purdy is healthy, I think he's going to be the guy at least to begin. I I'm still a Trey Lance guy. I know we haven't really seen much of him. You could argue not much from him, but I think he's just been given a tough hand with that injury with, you know, as a rookie, wasn't really used as a traditional quarterback. It was more of a gadget for the time being, regardless. I think whoever's under center will do a fine job. I think Purdy can, can do the job. Well, I think Lance just adds something more dynamic. But with these playmakers around him, it's it's not hard to succeed. Christian McCaffrey, one of the most versatile weapons in the league. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, who has proven that he can play. He can take significant carries. He can make plays. Playing as a regular, even though now with McCaffrey, his role is a little more limited. Uh, I'm with you. Brandon Ayuk is someone that has been underrated for a long time. He was fantastic as an Arizona State Sun Devil, and I think you know that went under the radar. He had this. He had one game against Oregon when ASU beat Oregon, led Justin Herbert and Tempe, and that was one where he's like this. This guy's this guy's not just all Pac-12. He's someone that's gonna make an impact in the league, and he's really found his footing. Brandon Ayuk, one of the most underrated players in the league. Debo Samuel, I think some of the hype wore off of him from last year. And and it's fair. I think the the way that he plays, it's not necessarily as valuable the way like you called it, like the wide back kind of thing. He's not he's not a traditional wide receiver, but that doesn't mean he's not effective. He is still a very effective player. Uh the third wide receiver spot is kind of up for grabs. Ray McLeod, Juwan Jennings. They brought back Willie Sneed. They have Ronnie Bell, their seventh round pick. Not really sure. He might actually we'll see if he actually makes the roster tight end George Kittle one of the best to do it he's a fantastic in the run game big body receiver that can make plays over the middle of the field not scared to run guys over a very lovable figure i mean you're you're a Seahawks fan so I imagine you you don't like playing against him but i George Kittle's a very likable player um, like um, objectively
1: yeah absolutely like everything he does in interviews he's he's such a fun dude um but but yes i i can Concur on the point that he's not super fun to face. Yeah. Uh,
0: so they're that's pretty well rounded. They took Cameron Latu too, in the third round tight end out of Alabama. I don't I don't love the value there, but it's one of those things where I trust that they will be able to find a spot for him, get a get rhythm, and he's not gonna that sort of pick isn't the make or break in terms of them being good. And that's not mentioning the fullback position, which Kyle check Best in the biz. We we're really the age of fullbacks is kind of dying, but he he is awesome. And I really hope Jack Coletto makes the rosters undrafted free agent from Oregon State. He was kind of a quarterback, kind of a running back, kind of a fullback. They basically just used him as like a, a downhill runner. He's built more like a quarterback, but they just kind of use him in Wildcat formations to line him up anywhere. And I, I don't think he'll necessarily you know, I, I don't know if he'll make the roster, but it'll be really fun to see him playing, playing in the NFL. The defense, the first thing you need to point out is Nick Bosa is currently uh, not reporting to camp. He is holding out, looking to get a new contract, get a little pay raise, aren't we all? So you start, the line looks a little less impressive with him out. Drake Jackson, USC, this will be his second year. Some of the depth guys should. I mean, I Bosa. I'm sure to be resolved. But you look at some of the depth: Cleveland Farrell, Kerry Hyder. They drafted Robert Beal, in, I believe the fifth round. On the inside, there's a lot to like. Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave. That's a fantastic duo. And behind you have some depth. Former first rounder Javon Kinlaw, which has been has been disappointing, but still some decent depth. I I have no doubt that Bosa will be back. That will be resolved. The linebacker duo is so good. Dre Greenlaw is fantastic in his own right, but Fred Warner needs to be discussed more as one of the most valuable players in the sport. And I think plenty of people give him the credit, you know, regard him as one of the best linebackers. He's just take out positional value. He's one of the best to do it. I think he, he has a great argument. To be the best defender in the sport. I'm not, and I'm not here to make the argument of of this or that. That's not my. I'm not a big like ranking guys like that. But he's so good. There, there are a few players on defense that I would take over him to start my team. So that that duo is ridiculous. The DBs. It's interesting. Talanoa Hufanga at safety. He is one of my favorite players in the league uh i saw him play at usc I'm, I'm by no means a usc fan but he's someone who once i saw him on the screen he really popped off hard hitter like you said not necessarily your prototypical coverage guy but he just makes plays when you see him flying on your screen you know something big something big is going to happen i love him he was fantastic last year i think he's going to keep on getting better and better uh you mentioned Chevarius ward Very under-the-radar guy that's strong. And then the other cornerback position, it's kind of up there. They have a lot of different guys. Uh, You mentioned Lenore. He has had some playing time. It'll be interesting to see if he can really emerge as that cornerback one. Some other guys that could be in the discussion, Ambry Thomas, uh, Sam Womack. The second, you know, to, to round out the DBs, when you're looking at the second safety spot and guys that'll fill the nickel, nothing really pops off the page But that that's really grasping at straws. And that's I didn't even mention uh, D Winters, the linebacker who it'll be tough to crack this, you know, crack significant playing times when you're talking about Jay Greenlaw, Fred Warner, but D Winters linebacker out of TCU, a lot of TCU guys, you can tell why they made the national championship sixth round. Fantastic value for someone that was one of the best linebackers in college football has a strong athletic profile. Even if that doesn't translate to anything statistical this year, because again, he's behind two fantastic players. I think that was a great value pick. So all in all, this is a very well-rounded team. I temper my expectations in terms of a Super Bowl run a little bit because I don't know what, what is happening at quarterback versus a lot of other teams where it's, there's some more stability. But this should be one of the best teams in the NFC again. I think 11-6 and six is pr- on the conservative side. I wouldn't be surprised if they win more like 13, 14 games. They just, this is a very well rounded
1: unit, one of the best in the league. Absolutely. Jeremy? Yeah. I think you know what time it is. It's superlative time. Oh, yeah. All right. who's,
0: Who's the MVP of the NFC West?
1: As much as I wanted to put Gino. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey is the MVP of the NFC West because I do think that he is going to be the engine of this offense. Obviously, there's a ton of mouths to feed here. uh, But when the Niners made the trade last year, it was so clear that McCaffrey is adding so much to this offense. He's able to make them that much more versatile. Um, And so I think McCaffrey is going to be, I think he'll be the best player in the entire conference. So yeah, McCaffrey is my MVP.
0: I raise you this. So I did Ooh. all this talking about, I'm going to go with a Niner. And I did all this talking, hyping up Fred Warner, because Fred Warner is awesome. Ooh, that's not a bad but, pick. But, 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 I'm taking Nick Bosa. Because in that nice same van, I didn't, I didn't talk as much about Bosa because, you know, whatever, I wasn't thinking about him as much because he's not playing right now, holding out. But Nick Bosa is a premier pass rusher. He is going to rack up ridiculous numbers there's there's no doubt that he is going to continue to absolutely feast especially think about the matchups like God I would not want to be Matthew Stafford when they're playing the Rams or really just the Cardinals in general facing him I don't know if there's a team in in the league that would want to face him but man I I think he's gonna absolutely feast whatever he wants pay him it MVP similarly to Fred Warner two of them just two of
1: the best defenders in the sport all right my rookie of the year as much as I've been ripping on him is going to be Devin Witherspoon I, I do think that he is going to come into Seattle as the fifth overall pick and make some really big plays granted I do think he's going to give up a lot of big plays because that's just his aggressive nature as a 511 press cornerback Um, but I do think he is going to come in there. He's going to make some big hits in the run. Um, some awesome breakups. He'll shut guys down at the line. He'll have some interceptions for sure. Uh, I, I think Witherspoon is going to have enough of a highlight reel uh, to where he's in the legitimate rookie of the year conversation. So that's where I, I do have faith in Witherspoon to be in that kind of talks.
0: So once again, we're on the same team, but different players. Jackson Smith and is so fantastic. And I get you can, you can, you know, sell me on. There are a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, but I don't really care because I think the offense is going to be one of the best in the league. And I think that could mean maybe a little bit less production from the running backs. Maybe it cuts a little bit out of t- some of Tyler Lockett's touches. Jackson Smith and Jigba is so good. He is going to be a fantastic player. He will be the rookie of the year in the NFC West.
1: I almost picked him. I almost picked him, but I thought my my only logic was like, I think that the role or Witherspoon is a little bit easier to find, given like there's absolutely a world where you could find DK and Lockett just overshadowing JSN a little bit. But I do think he is going to produce at a high level. Fair, Fair. All right. My uh, my most improved player, uh, I kind of talked about him earlier. I think it's I, I'm not totally sure how to say it. I think it's the Lenoir, Lenoir, the cornerback for the Niners. I think he could be absolutely shut down this year. I bet he comes up with a ton of really highlight plays because I think a lot of teams are going to want to avoid Charvarius Ward, um, and they're going to throw it to that left side where Lenoir is likely going to be playing. Um, and I, I trust him once he gets tested because I think he is going to be able to shut down a lot of teams' opposing receivers um, when they do cross that left side. Like Lenoir. I think he's an awesome breakout candidate. And I think he's gonna do big things in 2023.
0: So we're we're similar again. I have a corner, but I have Darion Kendrick of the Rams. If the Rams are Ooh. gonna have some, I don't know if I'd call it success, but if they were to match what I think is gonna come of them, would I have with their eight and nine prediction? It's going they're gonna have to have some of those guys step up. He played a fair amount last year, but he wasn't really in a primary starting role. I think he's going to have more of a consistent role this year. He might give up the big plays, but I think he's also going to probably be up there in one of the best uh, DBs in terms of taking away the ball. So he's a a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy, which I think would be very helpful on a Rams defense where there's
1: really not a ton of hope. Absolutely. Uh, My biggest surprise is going to be Geno Smith this year because I think that there's a lot of people who – are kind of shorting their bet on him as a one-year wonder um, and think he's not really going to do that much this year. I think that's wrong because there was so much that he was doing at just a very high... He was completing a lot of very high-difficulty plays last year, and looking at the offense, there's so many different facets where they've really heavily improved on. I, I just don't really see the path for Gino to get worse. So I'm, I'm going to think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year.
0: Fair enough. I have... Well, again, we're kind of similar. I have a quarterback, but I don't have Gino. I said mm. it. I'm still, I'm still a Trey Lance guy, and this is mm. a tough pick to make because there's a world where he doesn't like start a single game this year. Purdy, you know, maybe Purdy will come out the gates, play well, and it makes sense because if they're winning, even if Purdy isn't doing anything fantastic, winning is winning. So there, there is a world where this totally blows up in my face, and I'm really wrong. But I am a huge Trey Lance guy. I think he was absolutely. You know, I think the rationale of picking him three was right. They gave up a lot of assets for him, and that doesn't mean that they should start him no matter what, but I believe he can unlock that offense to a level that Purdy and or Darnold cannot. They can win games with Purdy, but I think with Trey Lance living up to close to his potential, they just become an even deeper unit, way more of a threat. And I think that's a Super Bowl team if Trey Lance can do what I think he's
1: capable of doing. Absolutely. All right. My biggest letdown is none other than Matthew Stafford. I think that there's some people who are hoping he can come back into this year and perform how he did back in 2021. Um, But I, I think that he is going, he looked really bad in 2022. I think he's not going to look too much different this year. Um, And that is assuming he stays healthy. So I'm just sort of, I'm betting on the negative end of that spectrum for Stafford. I think he's going to, be the biggest letdown this year of this division,
0: so again, we have similar parallel. I also have a quarterback, but it's Brock Purdy, which I kind of alluded to. And that doesn't mean I think Brock Purdy's a bad player. I just think expectations are probably unfairly too high because they they had so much success under him. He really just did did all the everything correct, but in reality, he wasn't necessarily asked to do a ton. So even if, you know, I again, like I mentioned, maybe he'll start all 17 games and they'll do, be successful with him. I don't think that means he's going to be up there as one of, you know, the better quarterbacks. I think he'll do his job, but I don't think the ceiling is that high for him if that if that makes any sense. Mhm. It does. All right. All right, that is our eighth division. We have done 32 oh. teams. Should we I mean, should we do them all again? Now that Burroughs hurt,
1: does this change everything? Yeah. Okay. We'll just we'll just go through all of them again.
0: We'll just do all of them again. That's six that's sixteen episodes. Um, and we're just starting them from the scratch. We're like not we're not just doing the Bengals or any of the teams affected by injuries. We're doing all 16 again, which by the way, Jackson texted me, because I've been staggering these episodes a little bit, about how we recorded the NFC North and East, which I guess at the time we're recording this, that it hasn't even actually dropped yet. But we we're talking about Saquon holding out, and Jackson was like, "You know, it sucks that it didn't already drop because we were kind of on that." But
1: dude, yeah, we we predicted that before that that was even a report because we like we saw all the running back market stuff, and are both. I would not be surprised if Saquon is not appearing to Week One, and obviously it's been resolved by now. But we were ahead of that report.
0: We yeah, we kind of were on that early, but you know, it is what it is. The world may never really take that in the way that it could have been so good. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we'll, we'll see you guys for the next date, but we're going to conclude this one. If you want to hear more from Jackson Powers, JPOW NFL on TikTok and Twitter, great follow, as well as on the YouTube, Jackson Powers. Me, you're listening to the Redshirt Podcast on Spotify. For some of my writing content, you can go to the blog or the site backslash home. When I post new blogs, when I post new podcasts, I'm usually informing the people on Twitter. My Twitter is at the red shirt blog and on Instagram at the dot red alongside some fantastic graphics. I figured out how to get the graphics on each podcast episode two, which is beautiful, huge, really helps the appeal. I think that's a big difference in uh in adding you know adding the listeners big big difference in the sort of fandom we have. But uh, yeah, that's 32 teams. I don't know how many hours this ultimately added up to. I think we, I think the way that we did it this year was smart. That way, we were able to talk at length about each division. And granted, I wouldn't expect everyone, you know, tons of people to listen to all eight episodes, but we we're able to kind of talk about each division at length without feeling bad, without it being like a two and a half hour episode for an entire conference. So,
1: yeah yeah i i agree i i think we we've recorded a lot of content over the past couple of weeks this is yes. eight episodes each hovering right around an hour it's, it's, it's a lot grind. it's a lot of redshirt yeah.
0: podcast a lot of yeah. are you what what uh because i i feel like you do you have a depth chart up when we're when we're going through them do you have yeah that's that's
1: what i always do i okay what like Right, for... what what depth chart do you use I use ESPNs usually, but oh. the, there is another one that I kind of like because it shows like it shows like nickel who's going to be the start. It's OurLads.com. dot com. I I use ourlads. That's that's my okay. thing. I that my only issue with it is it's it it it's a little unorganized. Like it is everything is coming tough. off in this really weird order. But there's definitely stuff because it's like showing who's in the slot, who's on the left and right side, who's starting in the nickel. I I, I do really like that. It's just like, I don't know. it's, It's really hard to navigate sometimes. Fair, fair.
0: All right, we're, you know, I already gave all the outro stuff, plugged each of our other socials. So I should probably wrap it up here instead of talking about depth charts. So I would just like to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you guys for listening to any of this NFL content. It really does mean a lot to me. All that being said, Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of The Retro Podcast. We'll see you next time.